0: In this episode, I share some musical thoughts that have been on my mind lately, and that's pretty much all we're doing. Fun fact, every time I test the microphone to make sure that it's on before I start a show, this is the noise I make. I'm your host, Derek Brink, and you are listening to Empty Check-It. Hey there, checkmates. How y'all doing this week? I'm doing okay on my end. It's your old Uncle Derek talking to you on what has been an on-and-off rainy uh, week, in fact, in St. Louis. We've had weird rainstorms on and off uh, this week and this day. Those of you who live in St. Louis may be able to put together what day I'm talking to you on based on that information. If you you're that kind of bored which i really hope you're not there's better things to do than to guess what day i'm recording the episode on uh yeah it's been it's been kind of a weird week of weather that was an alliteration and uh i've been uh i've been okay with it i've been doing okay with the weather uh, mainly working from home uh lately as i have been for the past year and a half and all that stuff um, my back still hurts, my shoulder still hurts, my front still hurts. It's all, it's all the same as it's been. Uh, you've heard me complain about that endlessly over the years. I've got constant pains in places that I don't think it's fair that they should hurt. Um, but, you know, such is my lot in life. Uh, I'm gonna get the websites out of the way here right at the top of the show. I always promote uh, the different websites you can go to if you like the show. And I usually do them as an afterthought, but I'm going to do them right up front this time. If you like the show, you can go over to emptychecking.blogspot.com. That's the companion blog for the show. There's photos and other stuff there that I think you'll enjoy. You can check out uh, emptychecking.podbean.com, where the show is hosted, which is a truncated version of the blog, usually, that has no photos, and it's just where the show is hosted. But it's where it's hosted, so I should promote it. If you like me and you want to know more about me, you can go to DerekBrink.com and mostly read up on my music career. Uh, Of course, we're available on any podcasting app you could possibly want us on, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You're probably listening to us on something already if you're not listening at the player on the blog. However you're listening— thanks for listening. If you like the music that you hear throughout the show, it's all stuff that I wrote, and it's all available for absolutely free over at DerekBrink.Bandcamp.com. All you do is enter zero as your purchase price. I won't even know that you took it. I don't collect your email. I would just love it if you loved it. Okay, that out of the way up top. uh, What happens now? That's usually kind of how I start wrapping up the intro section. Uh, I don't know how long this episode's going to be. Uh, it it could it has potential to go an hour. It has potential to go ten minutes. Uh, I'm just going to be talking about musical stuff that's been on my head, uh, on my head, in my head, on my mind. Uh, that's that's the one. I'm going to be talking about musical stuff that's been on my mind lately, and none of it's. None of it's particularly new. Like, I'm not reviewing new albums. It's just stuff has happened, and I haven't talked to you about it yet, so I'm going to. Uh, The tone of the opening of this show, I guess, is that uh, I've been watching a lot of Frasier lately. Those who are longtime checkmates know that uh, I have a love of the show Frasier, and I know way too much about the life of Kelsey Grammer. Uh, including that his uh, father was murdered by a man whose last name was Niles, which is the name of the brother on The Fraser Show. Who knows why that would be? Uh, his sister was uh, raped and murdered, and Kelsey Grammer was the person who identified her body. Uh, he had producers on the show that uh, we're coming back from a holiday, a kind of a break from the show, and those producers happened to be on one of the planes that were uh, intentionally crashed on 9-11. Kelsey Grammer's life has been a waking nightmare, and yet he still manages to be a basically kind person with a mild drinking problem who votes for Republicans. I uh, forgive him for all of that. He's, uh, he's had... He's had a, uh, a lot happen to him and has managed to still be entertaining and apparently basically a, 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 a fairly stand-up guy. Um, so that's that's the truncated version of an episode I did a couple years ago where I, I, uh, I went in just with an index card that had the word Frazier on it, and I just launched into a long-form version of that story. Um, I love Frasier, and I love Kelsey Grammer, and uh, I, I recently tweeted that if there's anything in my life that's true, it's that I just finished watching an episode of Frasier. So uh, I'm doing, like, my 42nd uh, watch-through of the series? I don't know. Uh, it, it could be that. It could be 7th. I'm not really sure. But I, I'm watching the series again, and that made me curious about uh, the drink Sherry because Fraser and Niles are constantly drinking sherry on the show. That's right, I'm going from telling you about uh, a guy whose dad was murdered, whose sister was raped and murdered, who lost friends on 9-11, to telling you what I'm drinking. I uh, I, I uh, got curious about sherry, because I had never had sherry. I didn't really know what sherry was, other than you can find it in the wine section of most of your supermarkets and whatnot. It's a fortified wine. And they only had one at the store that I shop at, and I bought it, and it's fine, not great. I would like to try uh, a more expensive bottle, basically. Uh, I should Google what kind of sherry they drink on Fraser, because that's probably okay. There's probably, there's probably like a legitimate bottle of sherry shown on that show at some point or another, right? I mean, there has to be. Yeah. Yeah, I'll Google that later. But for now, I'm drinking whatever my store had, and it's uh, it's fine. It's uh, it's not going to be a go-to, but it's fine. Uh, so that's what's fueling this episode, is a glass of sherry, possibly a bottle of sherry by the end of it. We'll see what happens. Uh, my back hurts. Frasier. Not sure I'm going to talk about websites. I feel like I covered most of the things I wanted to say. Oh, actually, there is one more thing I wanted to say. I, uh, I got a piece of mail, a piece of uh, email. Not, I guess you don't really get a piece of email. I got an email from a loyal Checkmate listener out there that uh, I want to read. So hang on just one second while I pull that up. Uh, me saying hang on just one second is a verbal cue to myself when I'm listening to this to cut out all of the waiting that you're going to have to do while I pull up the email, and it's just quiet for a couple of minutes. Uh, So hang on for a second, and I'll be right back with you, which means that you won't know that any time has passed at all, but I'll know. It's a little inside baseball look for you there. And I'm back, and see, you barely noticed that anything passed at all, but I am sure that I edited out all of that. I record this thing like it's a nightmare, and uh, sorry, basically. But I got an email that I thought was worth reading and worth uh, acknowledging my uh, slip of the tongue. So I'm going to read this to you. I got an email here uh, from Sarah who, actually, if I tell you what she signed at the end, it kind of ruins her, her joke, so I'm not going to do that. But uh, I'll, I'll do that at the end of the email. But uh, Sarah writes, uh, Dear Uncle Checking... That's adorable, Sarah. Thank you for that. That's, that's very funny. Uh, Dear Uncle Checking, I noticed in the Wes Anderson episode that you, that when you were defending Japan as a backdrop for the movie rather than the point of the movie, with which I agree... Thank you, Sarah... Uh, that you said it was like how Goodwill Hunting is based in Philly but isn't about Philly. Whereas you're correct that the movie definitely is not about Philly, it is set in Boston. Smiley face. Sure, it was just a slip of the tongue after last year's Robin Williams marathon, but it jumped out at me and it made me chuckle. Have a great next 100 shows. And she signed it, Sarah, also not from Philly. Uh, which I thought was funny. Uh, yeah, Sarah's absolutely right about that. The show, or the movie, is absolutely based in Boston, uh, not Philadelphia. I don't know why I said Philadelphia. I think I just thought of the Northeast, and that's what came out of my mouth. And even listening back to it, I didn't catch it to do an edit on it. That's exactly the kind of thing that I should edit, and I did not. So there's some uh, Checkmate mail for you. I should have some kind of stinger that uh, uh, says checkmate mail in it. It's like a, like a sound, like maybe the old AOL you've got mail uh, sound. That seems like it's probably copyrighted and a bad idea, but yeah, you know, I should do something for that segment, but I am not going to. So I'll just say thank you, Sarah, not from Philadelphia. Possibly also not from Boston. I don't know. Uh, she didn't specify. But uh, uh, it was cool that she's been listening long enough that she knew that I did a whole Robin Williams thing last year, watched like 30 Robin Williams movies, and then reported back to you on it. So that's 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 a good fan right there. Really appreciated that. But yeah, she's absolutely right. Goodwill Hunting is uh, not not set in Philadelphia at all. It is of course set in Minneapolis. Uh, that was a joke. Uh, yeah, we're gonna talk about some music stuff that I've just been wanting to talk about, and I think it's gonna be fun for me, uh, although maybe also a little bit maudlin' in places for me, but, uh, hopefully you'll get something out of it. It's really too early to tell. A whole lot of stuff has happened in the world of music in the past couple of weeks, and because I've been previously building to the 100th show, and then I had the whole Wes Anderson thing, I just haven't talked to you about any of it. Actually, one of the things that I want to talk about happened the day that I uploaded the 101st episode, the Wes Anderson episode, so that I, I think I get some a, a grace period on that. Um, there's just been a lot of stuff, and like I said at the start of the show, I'm not going to really talk any about, let me try that sentence again, I'm not going to really talk about any new releases or anything like that, Uh, but I am going to talk about some recent happenings, and uh, I I, I don't know, this is just all stuff that's been on my mind, and I have this forum to talk about that kind of stuff, so we're going to do that. Uh, Sadly, we have to start with some rest in peace type things, which seem to happen so often on this show, which uh, uh, we're going to keep it all music-based here, but I also just want to, before I forget, I, I also should have had a segment saying rest in peace to beautiful Bobby Eaton, the wrestler who uh, was a mainstay in WCW and NWA in the 80s and 90s, and, uh, he passed away and that made me sad. Go listen to Jim Cornette's podcast, uh, on that episode. It is wonderful and worth your time, and it's a different Jim Cornette than you've ever heard. So that out of the way, I want to talk about some music stuff. Um, we lost a couple of guys who I really consider giants, especially when it comes to the type of music that I tend to listen to and play. Um, and there have been others who have also passed away in recent weeks that I'm I'm, 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 I'm not going to be talking about, but that's not from a lack of respect. It's just that I have a lot to say about the two guys that I am going to be talking about. I, I hope that makes a little bit of sense. I feel like I'm stumbling to get the words out of my mouth on this for some reason. uh, It may be that the uh, uh, sherry has kicked in a little bit, Um, although it's only about 13%, and there are beers that I drink that are a greater percentage than that. But anywho, uh, I'm going to do this in the order that they they passed on. Um, We lost Dusty Hill of ZZ Top, who... I'm gonna go on record, ZZ Top is not one of my favorite bands. Uh, I like ZZ Top, I respect ZZ Top, they just have never been one of those bands that are a go-to favorite band for me. But they, uh, in fact, everything that I, uh, presently own by them is in a, uh, download state. Like, I downloaded stuff. I didn't go out and buy it, uh, when I started playing their songs in cover bands. The internet was a thing, so I downloaded it. Um... Which is a little bit embarrassing to say now. Like, I wish I had some physical products for ZZ Top, and that's maybe something I should change soon. It seems like there should at least be a Greatest Hits or something in my physical collection. But ZZ Top has never been one of my favorite bands, but they're one of those bands that I just sort of always thought would be around, you know, and whose work I've appreciated and whose songs are just part of my life as they are everybody's. Um... But, uh, uh, you know, like I said, never really a go-to, but they, I just, what I liked, I liked, you know? And, like, in most people's collection, if, uh, if you have a ZZ Top Greatest Hits, then that's probably all you're ever gonna need, and that's about the level that I am with ZZ Top. Uh, and that's no insult to ZZ Top, it, it feels like it, being a music collector who just collects complete discographies of people, but... Uh, it's not, and, like, for most people, you are going to have a best of ZZ Top, or you're going to have a best of The Who, or you're going to have a best of, uh, Neil Young, or a best of CCR, or a best of whatever, and you're not going to have all the albums, you know? ZZ Top is one of the few bands that I haven't felt compelled to collect the albums, is all I'm saying. There is a best of that is on my phone. But that said, Dusty Hill's one of my favorite bass players. I wouldn't call him an influence, I wouldn't call him someone who has really shaped what I do as a player, but I would call him one of my favorite bass players, because he got in there, he did exactly what the song required, nothing more, nothing less, sometimes a little bit more, but he uh, he rocked the root note, he did the occasional fill to get to the next to the next note for the next chord, but he wasn't flashy, he was just dead on. That's who Dusty Hill was as a player. Uh, That is something that not every bass player does. That is not something that I do as a bass player most of the time. And most of us who do more than what Dusty Hill did could really learn a lot just by doing what Dusty Hill did. Um, Because really the function of the bass, Dusty Hill did a great job of... Showing you exactly what the bass is supposed to do. What role it's supposed to fill. In in, uh, in a band. In a rock band. Especially a 12-bar blues type rock band. He, uh... He was just no more or less than what he was. And that's... Boy, just saying that, it doesn't sound flattering. But I mean that as the highest compliment I can possibly deliver. He was... He was Dusty Hill, and nobody else was. And he was so flippant about that. Every interview I ever read with the guy, he seemed personable and funny. He had a deep love of professional wrestling, by the way. Uh, When he died, I heard a few different wrestling podcasters talk about his involvement in wrestling and his love of wrestling. And, uh, how he would, you know, go out of his way to go to shows and meet the boys and never really wanted to be on TV, even though he sometimes ended up in a crowd shot and they'd focus on him and, Hey, there's Dusty Hill from ZZ Top. Or they'd just say, there's one of the guys from ZZ Top. Um, he, uh, he seemed like a guy I would have had a lot to say to, you know, and I would have had a lot to, to hear from. I would have, I would have enjoyed talking to him and listening to him. And I did enjoy listening to Dusty Hill. He often referred to his tone as a fart in a trash can. And uh, he just, he was lighthearted in that way. And I love that. And that's a wonderful definition of a wonderful bass tone. Um, I'm very sad that he's gone. I didn't know that I would be as sad as I was when he was gone. Uh, you know what I'm gonna do? Maybe as a tribute to ZZ Top, I'm gonna pull up that Greatest Hits on my phone, and I'm gonna go through it, and I'm going to read you the names of the songs I've played in a bar band. I've got their, uh, Going 50, uh, album, uh, I guess Greatest Hits compilation for their 50th anniversary. That's on my phone right now, so let's see. I've played LaGrange, Sharp Dressed Man, Give Me All Your Lovin', Tush, tush whatever uh legs uh i've played on am nationwide i've played cheap sunglasses got me under pressure uh let's see i've played uh well i've played viva las vegas but i think i probably was more informed by the elvis version but it it it, it counts um i did jesus just left chicago uh, let's see, what else have we got here? I'm just kind of scrolling through idly. I- I've done I Thank You a number of times. I've done Tube Snake Boogie, Pearl Necklace, uh, 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 <laughs> I forgot they have a song called Woke Up With Wood. Sorry, that just made me giggle. <laughs> um, I'm struggling a little bit here as we get deeper into the stuff that's a little bit newer, but, uh, uh, I did, uh, Just Got Paid as well. Did I say Just Got Paid already? I might've said Just Got Paid. Uh, and that song that they did for the Jeremiah Weed alcohol company did that one, whatever that was. I'm, I'm, I'm blanking a little bit on some of the names, but I think just quickly scrolling through the songs on that greatest hits, what did I name? Nearly a dozen songs that I've played in bar bands because people wanted to hear them. That's a legacy, and that's a legacy that's going to be lived out for a very long time. There is always going to be a bar band that will always be playing a easy Top song, and that is maybe the best compliment that I can I can pay to the band, and also to Dusty Hill, who I am really going to miss. Another guy that I'm really going to miss, whose songs will also always be played in bars— and elsewhere, who, very influential to a lot of people, um, not, again, one of those guys who, maybe not the flashiest guy, but he did exactly what he was supposed to do, and he did it well. The day that the episode went up last week, we lost Charlie Watts of the Rolling Stones, which, I don't, know that I was surprised by that. I mean, all of the stones are older than God at this point, and I just, in my head, I know that I'm going to see all of the stones except for Keith Richards eventually pass away. And so I I don't know that I was shocked by it, but I heard that Charlie Watts died, and my first thought was, oh, man, because I like Charlie Watts, and I like the stones. Um, In episode 100, I actually answered a question from a loyal checkmate out there, That was Beatles or Stones. And on that day, I said Beatles. And on this day, I say Stones. Because uh, Charlie Watts played on some of those songs that have just wormed their way into my consciousness. Uh, When I heard that he was gone, the first thing that I did was I reached for the Rolling Stones' Let It Bleed which is one of my favorite Stones albums. It's actually hard to zero in on a favorite Stones album for me. It's either Let It Bleed or It's Sticky Fingers. It might be Beggar's Banquet. It might be Goat's Head Soup or Their Satanic Majesty's Request. Uh, it's not Exile on Main Street, and I'm the only person you're going to hear say that. Uh, I I like a lot of the Stones, especially in that kind of, that, sort of that period that I was, I was focusing on, kind of, let it bleed and sticky fingers and uh uh I mean I like Exile on Main Street. It's just not a go to for me. Uh Satanic Majesty's Request. Um Uh Some Girls also would be in there. Did I name its only rock and roll? Uh I don't think I even covered that one. What have I already hit a half dozen records for the stones just off the top of my head that are great records that are in my collection? Uh, Charlie Watts Like I said, wasn't the flashiest guy, but what he did was perfect, especially for the Stones. And you know, something popped into my brain when I heard that Charlie was gone. Uh, You all, I think, know that I'm a big Rush fan, and in one of the documentaries uh, that the band did before Neil Peart died, they were interviewing Neil Peart, and he was kind of talking about how he wanted to hang it up and was, you know... He felt that he was at the end of his career. Who knew how right he was going to be? Um, And he said that, uh, look, I. And he said this with all due reverence and respect. But he said, look, I like the Rolling Stones. Charlie Watts is almost 80. I'm almost 60. Charlie Watts goes out there every night. And if I played Charlie Watts drum parts, I could play those when I'm 80. But I'm 60 and I'm having trouble playing Neil Peart drum parts. Which was. Very telling of where he was as a musician and as a perfectionist. Um, And what struck me was him talking about that. It, it, like that, that interview came to mind, and then I realized wow, now neither one of them can play any of those parts anymore. And that just seems wrong. Charlie Watts played on some songs that are the backbone of rock and roll history. Uh, I I am not even going to start going through Stone's discographies and talking to you about how many of their songs I've played. I mean, good God. <laughs> uh, we've all played Stone songs. Everybody's at least taken a swing at honky-tonk women, you know? Uh, or... Uh, tumbling dice, or... Uh, I, I, I just said I'm not going to do it. I, Charlie Watts is another one of those that I didn't know how much I was going to miss him until he was gone. Um, the day that I first went to my office in the last week after Charlie Watts died because uh, I think he died on Tuesday, and I went into the office on Thursday. I wore my t-shirt from The Only Time I've Seen the Stones, which was in 1997. I saw them at, uh, here in St. Louis at the TWA Dome. That particular performance was filmed and was uh, simulcast on pay-per-view and also released in home uh, video format later. And I was at that show. I was up toward the very top of the arena, uh, I guess, stadium. And uh, there, I'm, I'm not on camera anywhere. No chance of that. But uh, I was at that show. And I still have that t-shirt, and it fits. So I wore it to the office. And uh, uh, I was supposed to see the Stones again in 2020. And we all know what happened in 2020. Absolutely nobody toured because they couldn't. Uh, except for a few jackasses who don't care about their super spreader events. Uh, There are many jackasses who don't care about their super spreader events touring right now, in fact. And there are people who care very much about whether or not their events are super spreader events who are trying their best but can't prevent what's happening, and boy, we need to shut that stuff down again. But that's a side note. I was supposed to see the Stones in 2020, and it didn't happen. And now Charlie Watts is dead. Ronnie Wood was not an original member of the Stones. The guy that they have playing bass for them, that's been playing bass for them for over 20 years. I don't even even know his name because they don't do a proper job of acknowledging him. We basically got Mick and Keith left as original members of the Stones. Boy, that doesn't feel good, does it? Stones are going to be here next month. I'm not going to shows yet. I'm not going to see that. I don't know who they have playing drums for them. I'm just sad that Charlie Watts is gone. I really liked him. He had the funniest moment of that... uh, What was it? Some, like concert from home or something that a bunch of people did last year during the during the first part of the shutdown where a bunch of bands just played songs from their living rooms or whatnot and the stones all played from their respective uh locations and you know separately and whatnot and they did uh you can't always get what you want probably my favorite stone song probably everybody's favorite stone song uh and Start out with just Mick and an acoustic guitar and you hear you hear a maraca or something come in and he's joined by ron wood and he's joined by keith and uh not by the bass player who they never acknowledge uh and you can tell that they're all slightly off sync like they didn't record this at the same time they barely synced it up they all just like i'm sure had a metronome going into their parts uh it takes a, a good like i think a full minute before charlie watts appears on screen and his drums were going, but Charlie's just miming playing the drums. He's got like his luggage out in front of him and he's just pretending to play the drums on whatever he's got around him. And uh it was funny initially, and then the song went on for another four minutes. <laughs> and Charlie Watts just committed to this dumb joke for a solid four minutes, which made it even funnier to me because <laughs> he's just like I, I'm in this now I, you know and he could just it just he just kept going and it was beautiful and it was wonderful sink out uh, sink out seek out that footage and and watch it. it's it's really a treasure. Charlie Watts is a big loss and I wish we didn't have to lose him and I'm sorry to see him go. Uh, rest in peace, Charlie, and rest in peace, Dusty. Boy, that uh, that jam session in the sky is getting cooler and weirder every day, isn't it? Let's uh, let's move on and talk about something else. And you know what? We just talked about unhappy subjects. Uh, let's. I mean, I guess let's. I just mentioned COVID. Let's transition into an unpleasant subject. I guess. Uh, Eric Clapton. Eric Clapton has been in some headlines lately and much talked about on social media. Eric Clapton, a anti-mask person, probably anti-vax too, if I don't miss my guess, who is going out of his way to shout down those who think that mask mandates and things like that are going to get us through the pandemic. He is releasing music that is anti-mask and anti-common sense. Uh, released a new song this past week that is essentially a protest song of uh, against people getting healthy. Eric Clapton has lost my respect. And that is a hard thing to say. I first saw Eric Clapton in concert the week that Stevie Ray Vaughan died the first show that Clapton did back from when Stevie Ray Vaughn died. Uh, I have been a fan of Clapton's since I was less than 10 years old. I have uh, played countless Clapton songs. I-, I-, I can't begin to enumerate how many Clapton songs. I don't want to play another fucking note that he ever wrote. Eric Clapton doesn't care if you live or die... I don't care if people ever hear his music again. I have some of his music in my collection. He will not be getting another dime from me. Not until after he's gone, and he can't benefit from it anymore. And for what it's worth, I hope he has a very long life. A very long life filled with a declining bank account that will skyrocket, when he's gone. Because I hope that many people are going to follow the same path that I'm taking and are just not going to pay him anymore. But I, I know they're going to. I know that he's, uh, he's going to keep exactly the same audience that he's always had that has no idea which black musicians he's already ripped off and which black people he's already told off and already said he would like removed from England. Google that sometime. You don't even have to Google it. Go to his Wikipedia page. He's a monster. If you go to his Wikipedia page, in the first, as of this date anyway, in the very first paragraph under personal life, Clapton, in an interview in the 90s, unprovokedly admitted to raping a woman. He's a monster. He's raped people, he's a racist, he doesn't care if you live or die or can keep breathing. But Layla's a fucking good song, right? Fuck Eric Clapton. Never thought I'd have to say that. Fuck Eric Clapton. And you know what? I didn't I I want to I I want to say I didn't know I didn't know the racist stuff. I I definitely didn't know the admission of rape. I didn't know those things. The admission of rape I found out this week. The race stuff I had heard, but I'd also heard that he had apologized for it, and I thought, well, we all make mistakes. Uh, He's done that more than once. Most of us make a mistake once and we correct ourselves. I didn't know that he he had doubled down on it. I should have been done with him years ago. I'm embarrassed that I wasn't. But I'm done with him now. And I'm not even gonna sell the music that's sitting on my shelf, because I don't want anybody else to have it. I'm not gonna take it to a record store and sell it for used, for used resale. Because I don't want anyone else to have it. Because someone that toxic and that poisonous shouldn't be poison, poisoning your ears or the, the space above your head. Fuck Eric Clapton. I am embarrassed that I own some of his signature equipment. I'm embarrassed that I own some of his music. I will not be making that mistake again. After he's dead, his kids can get my money from buying whatever tribute release comes out. His kids deserve a nice life. Eric Clapton has had a nice enough life up to this point. I hope he has a very long time to think about it. So that's the unpleasant part, but I've got pleasant to talk about too. I've got some nice things to talk about, and it's a it's a difficult transition out of talking about a rapist and a racist and an anti-mask, uh, an anti-mask hole, I've been calling them. Uh, it's, it's difficult transitioning out of that into, hey, some of my favorite albums are reaching anniversaries, but uh, that's what I'm going to try to do here. Uh, I know I just had some very strong words there that maybe several of you don't agree with. The address to email me on that is db at derrickbrink.com. Send your worst. You're wrong. If you agree with me, send your best, and we'll uh, commiserate over the loss of a, of a great uh, musician before his time. But uh, db at derrickbrink.com. It's open. I'll read whatever you send. Probably should have promoted that in the start of the show. That's a mistake I made already. Uh, I'll tell you this: I'm getting a little bit uh, sweaty from drinking the sherry. It's uh, it's hitting me in 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 a way that's making me sweat. So that's uh, that's ongoing. That's something happening in the room while we do the show. That's uh, uh, you didn't need to be aware of that. It doesn't. It doesn't improve your experience of this, uh, show knowing that. It might make it worse, but at least it's, 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 it's the truth. It's more real. You can, uh, just settle into the information that the guy talking to you right now is a sweaty mess who is, uh, mad at Eric Clapton, I guess. I don't know. Uh... The anti-Eric Clapton, by the way, is uh, Neil Young. Somebody on Twitter called him that, because Neil Young has been referring to touring uh, musicians. He's been referring to concerts as super spreader events. And uh, Neil Young's doing the right things. And Neil Young fairly frequently does the right things, uh, despite what of four sides you could possibly be coming down on in the Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young debate. Uh, I'm a Neil Young guy. I like Neil. And I've been listening to a lot of Neil lately. I uh, actually uh, this is a side tangent, but this is a lot smoother of a transition than anything else. Uh, Neil Young put out uh, the Archives Volume Two recently. I think the Archives Volume One came out in something like 2009, so it's been a minute. Uh, I have a copy of the Archives Volume One. It's I bought it used, so I didn't pay the full like $300 for it or whatever. Uh, Volume Two, he was a lot kinder on the price tag, and I found it for a lot cheaper. Uh, and I had a gift certificate, which doesn't really matter to the story, but it's true. I had a gift certificate, so I picked up that. I picked up Neil Young's Archives Volume 2, which is from the era sort of right after Harvest, sort of, uh, On the Beach and Zuma and those types of albums, uh, picked that up, and it's 10 CDs of just interesting Neil Young stuff with a lot of, uh, unreleased stuff and a lot of album tracks, and it's just sort of a a different way of listening to Neil Young's stuff, and I found that, and I found it for a price that was great, that my gift certificate made even greater, and uh, (laughs) uh, I picked it up, and I've been listening to a lot of Neil Young, and getting angry in the right ways, and uh, uh, Neil Young is definitely the anti-Clapton, and frankly, uh, in many ways, a better guitar player than Eric Clapton. There, I said it. Eric Clapton has a better tone, Neil Young has better skill, Fight me, I will win. Uh, big Neil Young fan. Archives Volume 2 has been a lot of fun to listen to. He's putting out uh, sort of an archival concert, I think, next month that's uh, a double disc that I'm looking forward to hearing that too. Uh, I have, unfortunately, the same criticism of Neil Young that I do of Guided by Voices that, like, sometimes I just wish he would slow down on the new releases. But, uh, boy, am I glad that we have the volume of material that we have from Neil, especially since he's so often on the right side of history. I really appreciate him. I really like him. I'm glad he's making music, and I have really been loving listening to The Archives Volume 2. If you have a chance to pick that up, I strongly recommend that you do it. Uh, It's pretty affordable on Amazon.com if you're uh, the type of person who will buy from there realizing that even if you don't buy from there, Jeff Bezos uh, stays the same. Like, you changed nothing, really, by not shopping at Amazon. Amazon's still going to exist. Bezos is still going to go to outer space. And by the way, if I had Jeff Bezos's money, I would also go to outer space or do something equally as stupid. And so would most of us. We all think we're going to be more altru- altru- altruistic. And maybe we're going to be more altruistic than Jeff Bezos, but we're also going to, or Bezos, however you say it, But we're also gonna spend uh, dumb money on stuff for us that's dumb. And uh, uh, we're also gonna be part of the problem. And the fact that you shop at a local store rather than Amazon is wonderful. And uh, those people deserve your money. So does my friend who drives trucks for Amazon who uh, needs to keep his job. And whether you give Jeff Bezos more money or not, he's not going to notice a difference. He's going to be the same, regardless of what happens. Um, that said, the Neil Young box set is pretty cheap there, Archives Volume 2. Archives Volume 1, from what I understand, is hard to find now. I'm very happy with my copy, although it's the DVD copy rather than the CD copy, so I feel like I probably should have bought the CD copy. And none of this matters to most of you. I've been listening to a lot of Neil Young and enjoying it and having a really good time. Uh, that's uh, uh, been a big part of my last week or two, and uh, maybe maybe you should do likewise, because he has a lot of good stuff. If you don't know where to start with Neil Young, he's one of those guys that most of you are going to need a Greatest Hits collection. Uh, me, I've got—I think he's got something like 50 albums, and I think I have like 30 of them. So <laughs> I'm i am that guy. Uh, as I'm sure that you all know, but the, the Archives volume two has been a lot of fun and it's, it's, uh, it's from a cool period that wasn't necessarily his best period, but that was a really good period. Um, so there's, uh, there's that too. He's, uh, he's the anti-Clepton and I, uh, will definitely be giving Neil Young more of my money over the years. Uh, that felt better than just jumping into talking about uh, one of my favorite Who albums, uh, which we're going to do now. That uh, th- Thank you, Neil Young, for providing me a transition into this next part. And this next part is that there are several albums that have reached significant anniversaries that it's worth talking about. The Who, my all-time favorite band has reached the 50th anniversary of their album, Who's Next. Who's Next is... maybe their best album? It's not my favorite Who album. My favorite Who album is Quadrophenia. And frankly, most people are probably going to lean toward Tommy as their favorite album. But uh, Who's Next? Low-key, probably the Who's Best album. It's... uh, uh, Bab O'Reilly, Bargain... Loving for keeping My Wife, Song is Over, Getting in Tune, Going Mobile, Behind Blue Eyes, Won't Get Fooled Again. That's the track list. You know most of those songs. Most of those songs are staples of rock and roll. And that's on one album, and it's not a greatest hits. This was a studio album. It uh, is, of course, the story of the album is, it's their non-conceptual album that is based on a concept in that uh, Townsend thought he was writing a concept piece, but the concept was way too big for him, so he sort of salvaged what was left of it, and the individual songs became "Who's Next," and "Who's Next" is fantastic. It's uh, one of my it's one of my favorite Who albums. It's not my favorite, but it's one of them. It's like I said, pound pound for pound, probably their best. Uh, the cover of it, you probably have seen a million times, you might not quite realize what's going on. It's uh, all the members of the Who sort of walking away from a monolithic structure in the background that if you don't, if you just kind of glance at it and don't think about it, you might not realize they're all doing that because they've just finished peeing on it. Uh, You can see that pretty clearly looking at it I believe the story is they were going down the road, saw a thing sticking out of the ground, said, what's that? I don't know. Let's get out and take a picture and then pee on it. And then they took a picture of that too. Uh, and that became the album cover. It makes the title Who's Next a little funnier. You know, cause like who's next to pee on the weird thing. That's, that's the joke. Uh, it's a great album it's 50 years old. I personally am 41 years old. I've never known a life without this album, and I'm so grateful for that. It's really one of their great ones. And Bob O'Reilly, or Bab O'Reilly, whatever, however you want to say it, uh, that uh, that song is the song that I use to test out stereos because there's a cool kind of stereo divide on the synthesizer effect, depending on which mix you have, that uh, uh, really kind of lets you know what stereo you're listening to. It was the first album I played in my new car when I got my new car. It uh, got played a number of times, in fact, before I took it out of the new car. And uh, it's it's the one that I, I use to test out every stereo that I set up. It's just a great album, just a fantastic album. And it's 50 years old, and that's awesome. And uh, they have done a few special releases of it over the years, so they didn't do one for the 50th anniversary of it this year, but uh, they easily could have, and it would have been awesome, and I would have bought it, because I missed out on some of the special editions in the past. Although I have a deluxe edition that's two CDs that certainly gets the job done, I wish I had, like, the four-CD version, you know? But uh, one of the great albums of all time, Who's Next? Uh, listen to it. Listen to it as loud as you possibly can. Test out the limits of your stereo with this album. It's what I do every time. It's one of my favorites. Another album that's one of my favorites that's in the same sort of world as The Who, reaching its 30th anniversary on exactly the same day as Who's Next, is Pearl Jam's Ten, the album that changed the 1990s alongside with Nirvana's Nevermind. You were either Team Pearl Jam or Team Nirvana. I ended up on Team Pearl Jam, even though I started out on Team Nirvana, and I still like Nirvana okay, but uh, I'm, I'm certainly much more a Pearl Jam guy now. The Ten album was a breath of fresh air when it came out in 1991. It reminded all of us that whereas Poison might be the thing that's played on all of the radios, boy, we sure missed straight-ahead rock songs. And I wonder who's going to do that again. I wonder who's going to do that here in the next couple of years when we all realize that we're tired of whatever's going on now or haven't been paying attention to whatever's going on now and somebody's gonna come out with just a great rock album and we'll all go, oh yeah, rock and roll is the best thing in the world. I wonder who that's going to be. I'm looking forward to that. I hope I I get to see that. Uh, But Pearl Jam did that in the 90s. They did that for me, certainly with the release of 10. They did that for a lot of people. The track list on 10 reads like a greatest hits. You know almost all of these songs. Uh, there are a lot of Pearl Jam songs that have filtered their way into the public consciousness over the years. Everybody knows the songs off of 10. Once, Even Flow, Alive, Why Go, Black, Jeremy, Oceans, Porch, Garden, Deep, Release. That's the original track list. Keep in mind, Yellow Leadbetter was floating around and they just didn't put it on the album because the album was already too fucking good. They, they couldn't stand to make it even better by also tossing on Yellow Leadbetter. Probably not how that story actually goes, but it's what I want to believe. It's just one of those perfect albums that came out at the perfect time, right when we all needed it, I was 11 years old, and I remember the first time I heard that band and went, well, that's that's my generation's who. And I still think that they're my generation's who. Especially with as much as Eddie Vedder loves the who. <laughs> uh, Pearl Jam is one of my favorite bands. They're certainly the band that I I believe carried on the torch of rock and roll long after everybody else thought it it, it had died. They relit it and started a forest fire. And uh, God bless Pearl Jam. The 10 album is hugely important to me. I'll tell you this. In my collection, I presently only have the uh, uh, deluxe version with uh, the Redux CD on it and the uh, unplugged DVD, uh, the kind of three discs that they put out when the album was uh, a mere 18 years old, nowhere near 30 uh, I, I have that version, and I, I only have that version. My pink cover, like the original Pearl Jam 10, uh, I don't know what happened to that. That's somewhere. I don't know where it is. I, I had a friend in the late 90s, quote-unquote friend, in the late 90s who stole several CDs from both myself and my brother. I think he made off with my Pearl Jam uh, 10, and I just never, like, refound it. Uh, but the one that, I mean, you know, by that time I had made Pearl Jam compilations and stuff, I still had those songs, and in the early 2000s, stuff started to digitize, and I had it all on, you know, digital players and whatnot, so I, I whatever. When the uh, Deluxe Edition came out, I bought that because I thought, oh, good, I finally replaced my copy of 10. It feels wrong that I don't have a copy of the pink cover, you know, the one that everybody has. That's something that maybe I'll have to correct this week when I'm at the record store buying the new Iron Maiden album uh, that's uh, that's that's maybe something I'll have to I'll have to take care of because it, it's just it feels like a cardinal sin that I don't have the original record cover in my uh, in my collection and it's one of my favorite bands and one of my favorite albums but per- Pearl Jam's 10 30 years old can you believe it's 30 years with 10 probably you can a lot of you have been alive that long and it seems rational uh they also uh their album no code reached uh 15 years on the exact same day as who's next in 10 so no code also significant anniversary there we've got 15 years with it uh then that one the track list is going to be less familiar to some of you but i'll read it uh sometimes hail hail who you are in my tree smile off he goes I actually think that's a really strong side one. I think it it, it falls apart a little bit toward the end of side two. Uh, Habit, Red Mosquito, Lucan, Present Tense, which is one of those songs that really slept up. uh, Slept up? Snuck up. Snuck up. It's one of those songs that really snuck up on me. Snuck up. Uh, Present Tense is one of those songs that really snuck up on me as a Pearl Jam fan. The first couple of times I heard it, I went, well, it's nothing special. And then over the years, it's become very special. Uh, and the, the album rounds out with Mankind, I'm Open, and Around the Bend. Uh, another great album. Not one of my favorite Pearl Jam albums, but some of my favorite Pearl Jam songs on it. It's weird how that happens sometimes, but that one's at 15 years. So we've got some really cool anniversaries that have happened in recent weeks of albums that you should be putting on and playing loud. And next month, it's going to be the 25th anniversary of the Spice Girls' first album maybe we'll maybe we'll talk about that later. Uh I bought the 25th anniversary uh release the picture disc of their single for wannabe cuz wannabe came out months before the album did and uh I'm a Spice Girls fan. That's something some of you might not know about me. I I have I have a weird lost summer, maybe maybe two weird lost summers where uh, it was just Spice Girls all the time and, like, seeing the Spice World movie and saw them in concert. I was on, like, row 10 for that concert. Bought tickets from a scalper. It was in, I think, like, 1998, 1999, whatever that was. Uh, It was $150 in 1990s money to see that show in the 10th row. And I did. It was great. Loved it uh, big Spice Girls fan. Which I know loses me some of the cred that I'd built up by talking about, uh, Neil Young and Pearl Jam and The Who and, 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 and the Stones and, and, and ZZ Top. I know that, I know that that's a knock on my, on my rock and roll credibility, but I love the Spice Girls, man. They were in on their own joke. They knew exactly what they were doing and they had fun with it. And it was fun, disposable pop music that ended up to not be that disposable because it's 25 years later just bought the wannabe picture disc put a picture of that on the blog that's that's gonna be gonna be something that's gonna go on my wall i don't know where on my wall but yeah spice girls album gonna gonna go on my wall it seems like one that maybe goes in the bedroom rather than the main room although was that creepy Right in to db at com and tell me which room you think I should put my wannabe picture disc in. Because I I don't know if it's weird if I hang it up in my bedroom or not. It seems like that might be the worst place to hang it, other than the bathroom, now that I'm thinking about it. 25th anniversary of the Spice Girls' first album. Uh, That's uh, most of the musical musings that I wanted to muse at you. It's a better way to say that sentence. Don't know what it is. Uh, the sherry is uh, getting much better the more I drink of it, FYI. So maybe maybe give some sherry a try. Uh, I think that there's a company out there, uh, Harry's Bristol Cream, I've, I'm told does good sherry. That is not what I'm drinking. But it's doing the job. Uh, hope you enjoyed this little talk about recent musical meanderings. In in uh in a brief summary Sad that Dusty Hill died, sad that Charlie Watts died, angry at Eric Clapton and Never Bite His Music Again, Love Neil Young, The Who and Pearl Jam put out albums years ago that are still great Spice Girls fan. And uh Sherry. That's, that's where we started and that's where we're ending up. mother left your father or at least that's what the church folk had to say the truth is he had left her a thousand times before that and the last straw was more well we're pulling into the station or something i don't know why i went with the train metaphor uh we're coming to the end of the show i hope you had a good time with this one i got mad at one point during it, there. Didn't know I was gonna. Didn't know I was gonna get mad. Thought I was just gonna issue a small statement, but I got mad. Pointed out that Eric Clapton's a rapist. By his own admission. Nobody even asked him. He just said that. That's a. It's weird information to just offer up, like. Like it's fine. Anyway, I, I, I think it was a good episode, basically. It had a lot of stuff going on with it. There was emotion, there was anger, there was sadness, there was some lighthearted stuff, there was fear? Was there fear? Was anybody afraid during this? I was a little afraid, but I I think that's just my social anxiety popping up a little bit. It it had a lot going on. Hey, uh, guys, I want to tell you, uh, I've been vigilant and very outspoken during this whole past year and a half talking to you about the need to wear masks and social distance and uh, get vaccinated and all that stuff. Uh, and I want to say that that's still very important to me. Uh, he went public with it, so I'm going to go ahead and just mention it here. My uh, brother and his family have recently been fighting COVID in their house. Um, Dave's been on the show before, so that's, that's, that's part of uh, why I'm saying this, is you guys know who he is. Uh, He's hopefully going to be on the show going forward here soon, once we kind of get that settled. Uh, Everybody in his household is okay and going to be okay, and with what I know about some of the medical conditions there, I genuinely believe the only reason that they're going to be okay is because those who were able to be vaccinated have been, there are members of the household who are too young to be vaccinated, or they would have been as well by now. But uh, uh, everybody's going to be okay, again, I genuinely think, because of the, of the vaccine. Um, this has been important to me this whole time. It got very, very personally important to me in the past couple of weeks. And maybe that's why I got so mad at Eric Clapton. I don't know. But uh, Dave's going to be okay. His family's going to be okay. But uh, COVID is still very much a threat. And even those who are vaccinated can get sick and can get very sick. But if you're vaccinated, you have so much better of a chance of being okay in the long run. So please take that seriously. And uh, please, please get vaccinated. Get the damn shot. It's free. Just get vaccinated. Nothing's going to happen to you. Just get vaccinated. The only thing that's going to happen to you is you're going to be able to keep living where other people are, are going on to ventilators. Get vaccinated as soon as you can if you haven't been already. Get your booster shots when they're available to you as well. Mine is not yet available to me. It's uh, people who are immunocompromised first. I am not. I've got to wait a little while, but I'm going to get that booster shot as soon as I can too. Get vaccinated. Wear a mask if you can't social distance. Social distancing is hugely important. Please stop going to your bullshit and just do what you absolutely have to do. Please, please, please social distance. And when you cannot, please wear a mask at all times. There's no reason not to. There's really no reason not to. Everybody's wearing them. Nobody thinks that you're any worse than they are if you wear them. In fact, some some people think you're a much better person if you're wearing it. Just wear the fucking mask, please. Alongside that, please continue to remember that black lives matter. Please remember that trans rights are human rights, that women's rights are human rights. Be good to each other, be good to yourselves, forgive each other, and forgive yourselves. And while you're doing all that check us out next time.